Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy, but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with, but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Robert Candell, and he is an entrepreneur, philanthropist, best-selling author, and has taught over 10,000 students in 400 workshops, coaching sessions, and lectures how to live an authentic, unhidden life. We're going to get into what he means by that. He's a veteran of many worlds and has spent time in corporate America, a startup, uh, and built an international eight-figure business based on relationship, intimacy, and sexuality. He currently teaches and lectures within the U.S. and internationally and runs a successful consulting firm helping small businesses to become, remark- to become marketable and profitable and also remarkable in their mm-hmm. industries. He is the host of the highly successful podcast, Tough Love, that's spelled T-U-F-F, Tough Love, and he's author of the recent Amazon number one bestseller, Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by them. How true that statement is. Robert, you can find at robertcandell.com. That's spelled K-A-N-D-E-L-L.com. Robert, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Uh, thank you, Joseph. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, wow, so many gaps. Uh, an incredible life. Didn't end up anyway the way I expected. You know, when I was in my my guidance school, you know, the high school guidance oh, counselor. The guidance counselor. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do when you grow up? And I thought I was going to be an engineer. I thought I was going to be, I don't know, in a cubicle and with a career like everything I saw in the movies. And my life has been nothing like it. And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for the path that I took. I'm, I'm grateful for everything um, that was given to me. And it's just, I'm, I'm almost 50 and excited for the next 50 years of my life. And it's just, uh, and I've lived a blessed life. That's fantastic. When's your birthday coming up? Uh, March. Uh, two March. March now. Yeah. Nice. Mine's in February. Okay. Happy birthday. Early. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So let's get into a little personal stuff here. So um, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Uh, well, the disadvantage of running a podcast is you reveal pretty much everything. If you do the podcast right, especially when you write a book called Unhidden and you write, <laughs> you know, you, so my mom is a very uh, frequent listener of my podcast and she's like, well, when you talked about this thing, I got a little uncomfortable. I'm like, why? Well, no, you're not. Anyway, the point is like, uh, my desire is to live unhidden. Uh, probably something that a lot of people don't know is I'm, I'm an introvert and I'm shy. 
Mm. Like I'm the kind of guy that goes to a party and wants to go to the edges of the room be the wallflower, watch and uh, hope someone comes talk. That's like a high school thing that's still inside of me. So that's probably one thing that most people don't know because I am very gregarious, talkative and loud at times. Listen, I think you just, uh, you know, really connected with 90% of my audience when you said that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I, I remember going out to the nightclubs and, and everything with my buddies and they would all just line the walls with their beers right? and just hope someone was going to come and speak with them. Um, and then I'd be out the guy, I'd be the opposite, right? I'd be you're the guy out there. You're the leader. The pipe but, but uh, you know, BC nation, broken Catholic nation, a little uh, hidden secret here or dirty mm. secret about podcasters. I would say 90% of them are shy, mm. um, more interior mm. uh, individuals. They're not outgoing. And this gives them the outlet to be outgoing out, gregarious share their personality who mm -hmm. they are and stuff but kind of behind mm -hmm. the scenes they don't have to be out front and center in the spotlight would you mm -hmm. say that's a true statement you know i've gone to two podcast conferences and i definitely felt at home mm -hmm. you know in watching uh, one podcast um movement had when i went to in orange county a couple years ago and they had the, the mixer on the third night or whatever it was. And I just watched people. Some people were walking up. Other, most people were just praying like me. Someone would come talk to them. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable in those positions. So, so BC Nation, if you ever had the dream of starting a podcast, but you have that thing rolling around in your head saying, oh, I'm too shy. I could never do that. Just know this is the perfect medium for your right. personality. Right. Okay, Robert, let's get into your faith journey. And let's talk about all things, you know, spiritual. And, and got it. And did you, what type of faith background, we were talking a little off camera here, but uh, what type of faith background were you raised in? And then what happened with that? Like, did you stay in it? Did you do what a lot of us do what I did, which is kind of rebel from it, you know, in the 20s, and then go explore life, so to speak, and then find yourself back. Um, so kind of walk us through that journey and paint us a very vivid picture of that story. Okay. I grew up on the North Shore of Long Island. Uh, I was born Jewish. Oh, didn't know that. And uh, yeah, I grew up in a, a town called Roslyn. I a uh, very strong uh, expectation of people of my like to go to Hebrew school, to get a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah and go through this process. And I, it was like Hebrew school was like two hours after normal school. And then Sunday mornings from nine to 11. And so all the kids hated it. We all hated it. We liked being around each other. We were a little young to flirt, but we were flirting. Uh, but at the same time, it was, it was just extra school. It was six hours of school per week. And so none of us wanted to be there. But I fell in love with history, uh, the study of the Bible, study of the Old Testament, and just the details of it. I loved just how it was written. And I would read books outside Hebrew school and I would find other books. And so really studying the Bible, uh, one teacher actually said I had, you know, could have been a scholar. Uh, I had just so much interest and devotion mm -hmm. to it. Uh, but as I got older, I got a little less interested. And then um, at 13, I had my bar mitzvah. And I remember this specifically. Um, I said to my parents, after my bar mitzvah in New York, I'd like to go to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and have a second ceremony at the Wailing Wall, which is a very significant thing for Jews to go to the Wailing Wall to complete that process. And my father said, 
we can't do that. We have to take the money it would take to that to have a party for my for the family and the clients. Because my bad, my dad was an entrepreneur. He was a businessman. It was part of expect. His expectation was him to provide a party for you know his, these people that I didn't really care about. And that in that moment, that flash of that moment, I thought this is ridiculous. This is screwed. I didn't like this. Like religion wasn't working for me. And my shift. Uh, just altered in that one single moment of being told, I can't go to the holiest place on earth. I have to go to a party at a swan club in Long Island and, and schmooze with my parents, my parents, friends and family and clients. You know, thank you for sharing that story. And, and BC Nation, can you relate to Robert right now? Mm. Did, was there a moment in your past, in your childhood, perhaps, where you just shifted? You made an unconscious decision that really redirected the course of your life or your faith, your spiritual journey? I know I did. Mm. Mine was the divorce. My parents got divorced. Mm. You know, parents whispering in my ear, your, your other parent never loved you. It was all a lie. They've been pretending your whole life. I felt betrayed from both sides. Mm -hmm. I made an unconscious decision never to love again, mm -hmm. never to let anyone into my heart because I mm -hmm. never wanted to feel that betrayal again. Mm -hmm. And right there, that affected all my dating relationships. And Robert, you're an intimacy and sexuality expert. So you really get that. I know mm -hmm. you get that. Mm -hmm. And in BC Nation, maybe there was something that happened, a human uh, brokenness uh, that occurred to you. And some, so many times... We project that onto our heavenly father mm -hmm. and we say, well, God, if, if, if like my human dad did this or caused me this hurt or wasn't there for me or left me or abandoned me, well, then I can't trust you. Mm -hmm. Robert, what shows up for you in that? <clears throat> I didn't have that argument with God. I was a smart intellectual kid. I had, a, I had my argument with religion, especially, you know, North Shore, Long Island, Judaism, which was very showy. We had one of my peers had a bat mitzvah that must have cost thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 easily back in the 80s at the now, Copacabana. Now over, yeah, now they're over 100K. Right. Yep. It's, so that was like the expectation. So it was never God. I always knew there was a power greater than myself. I just, it just didn't make any sense that human beings were running the show. Like it still doesn't make any sense. You look at like, we are not able to create such an amazing universe, an amazing world. That's right. These, my human physiology, it is just amazing what I can do with my hands, what right. I can do with my heart, what I can see, what I can hear, how I can think. So it was never an argument with God. I always knew, you know, he was out there. It was just with religion that mm. seemed trivial and very human. I really get that. And, and, you know, I still wrestle with God on that. Like, God, why would you come to earth, right? Start a church and then leave us in charge of it. Mm. Look how broken we are. We mm. can't even get the relationships in our, in our life. Right. Mm -hmm. Let alone, you know, run your church. Right. Mm. So I really, really get what you're saying here. 
So take us through the journey. Keep, keep us going there. And uh, so what happened next, right? You made this shift. You made this pivot in your life. You're like, I'm done with religion, all organized religion. I, I don't like it. I don't stand for it. It's showy, at least the one you were raised in. And I'm a Long Island boy myself, so I really get the Long Island Jewish culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so what did you do? What, what did you do from there? I just started to figure things out for myself. And when, you know, as a Jew, you do your bar mitzvah, it's like you've done the deal. You, you've, you've completed some agreement with your parents and grandparents. It's like, okay, I, you know, I've cleaned my room. Now get off my back. Yeah, exactly. I, I've done my side of my deal. And so, uh, and my parents, my mom, I don't want to speak for my mom, but my, my impression of my mom was she wasn't really, she was shifting. Her spirituality was shifting. She was a runner and a walker, and she loved being out in nature. Her relationship with the, what I'll say, God, was being outside and being uh, with him. My father was more into the tradition of Judaism, the ideas mm-hmm. and the concepts of it. And so I watched them. They didn't go to temple after my bar mitzvah. They weren't going every Saturday. So I was like, great, I'm done. So, uh, but what happened was I just started to find my own uh, version of it. And I do, like, I do talk to God in my head. I do ask for help. I do work things out, you know, from math problems to relationship problems with some greater power in my head. And so for the next, you know, last 35 years since my bar mitzvah, just creating my own version of with God and with spirit and uh, meditating and praying and talking and just allowing, uh, believing that I'm being led, that I'm believing that I'm being held, believing that Mm. there's a greater purpose, that I don't know anything, I don't need to know everything, I just have to do one step at a time and believe that I'll be held in this great purpose of my life. Mm. I hear that, I hear that a lot. Let me ask you this, right? Because I, I get a lot of different um, spiritual journeys that come on the show. Mm. And uh, I, way back in the day, on one episode, we even had someone that declared she was a witch. Mm. And, and, she, and, and that was a very interesting episode. Yeah. Um, but, you know, halfway through, she was crying. She mm. was crying and releasing to, you know, abandonment issues from her childhood and, mm. you know, to God and everything. And it was beautiful. But... Um, is there anything missing? And here's, here's my real question. Do you miss um, the, the fellowship, the, the human side of your spiritual journey and walk? Um, and I really get it and I hear you um, that sometimes we get so disappointed in humans because humans disappoint, mm. uh, including us, um, that we just want to go just to God and, and stay with God and kind of box out the rest of the, the population, so to speak, from our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Um, do you miss anything there? Is there anything missing? I can't. That's an interesting question. Uh, 49 years old, live in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles now, uh, second marriage, raising two kids, full-time job at this you know, office nearby. And so we really do live in some form of isolation mm. in the second largest city in the country. It's still hard to make time for friends. It makes time. It's hard for people to go from, I don't know if you know a lot about Los Angeles, but we are, you know, we don't like to leave our little nook of the, because of traffic is so bad. And, and so it's hard to find time for fellowship and time for community. 
And so I think if anything religion provided, what uh, building an organization, a community that did in my, my 30s and 40s did, uh, I was a member of a 12-step program called Al-Anon, uh, mm. did that for four years, and that had a very strong fellowship and relationship to God in that. Um, so I've had experiences in my life, and here I am at 49, missing the community. And I think the best thing religion does and did for me is bring like-minded people together to check each other, to uh, see each other, to validate each other, to argue with each other, to be with each other in our life purpose and our pursuit of perfection, our own perfection, our mastery, our relationship with God. And so I think that's the piece I miss is some excuse, quote, you know, air quotes, an excuse to come together to be with others uh, uh, that's difficult in my middle years. Mm. Thank you for being so real and honest and transparent about that. And, you know, I firmly believe faith is not a soul of sport, mm. just like anything, just like entrepreneurship. We're both mm. business guys, you and I, and we know we can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. um, there's times when we can have success by ourselves, mm -hmm. but eventually we run empty. We run dry, right? Mm -hmm. We're not enough. And I, and I think it's the same in the spiritual place. So, um, yeah. Thank you. You know, I really appreciate that because that's something that, that comes up so much, so much, just kind of doing the spiritual walk by yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can be exhausting sometimes, can it? Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I feel blessed to have my Morgan's, my second wife. Um, and if I could think of a better spiritual partner, I can't imagine someone who challenges me, someone who sees me, someone who understands me. Uh, my my processing and my communication with her is so uh, godlike. It is so transparent. It's so real. I've never been so true and authentic with another human being in my entire life. And just the ability to say every weird thing in my mind, for me to be able to be interested and curious and every peccadillo and every nuance of this woman and just to discover and her evolution and her expansion and her going deep into her spirituality and her teaching me and me being like, that is so weird, but okay, tell me more. Like that's the, that's the mastery to have another person to explore God and, and purpose and mastery. I mean, that's, that's now, why does, I feel truly blessed. Is she a uh, similar faith um, perspective as you or is she, she was, she actually went deeper into the Jewish. She went um, almost to the point of Orthodox. Got it. Uh, for and about, she at now, she's out. She she's out. You know, she she saw the hypocrisy as well inside the. Come on, Judaism! Stop kicking people out, <clears throat> making well, them run. Well, I can say the same thing about the Christian church. Yeah, anymore, so. I know, I know, I get that. Uh, it's you know, she was Chabad. She uh, went deep into her religion. She would walk to shul uh, with a baby stroller in the San Fernando Valley. 100 degree wheat, heat during the summer, she would cover herself. And then she just started to find herself in that. And she has no argument or angst towards Judaism. Mm -hmm. I don't have any argument or angst toward Judaism. I'm grateful for it. She's grateful for it. And we've found our own, again, just relationship to spirit, uh, our own relationship to God afterwards. And it's just so neat to watch each of us expand. Robert, thank you for taking us down your spiritual journey uh, path and mm -hmm. some of the things you wrestled with and some of the things you've, uh, you know, 
uh, created for yourself. And I always ask this question and I just ask that you be real. Is it working? My life? Oh, absolutely. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, that's how I say it. Got it. Right. And, and it's like, listen, we worship the same God mm -hmm. may have a different name for it based on our personal experiences, our environment, et cetera. But you know, for all my Christian and non-Christian brothers and sisters out there listening to this show, mm. God wants to meet us exactly where we are mm. in our spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. And all he asks is that you look up. Mm -hmm. Just look up. Mm -hmm. Most of the problems in your life come from looking horizontal instead mm -hmm. of vertical. Mm -hmm. Right? We cause harm to each other. We look at each other. And we think that's it. That's the mm -hmm. top. Mm -hmm. It's not. Look up. Look up, get back into spiritual alignment. Talk to him. Mm. He's your father. Mm. That's what I believe, right? So, mm. Robert, let's uh, shift this. Let's talk all things guys, dudes, uh, broken <laughs> men, right? I'm a broken Catholic and former atheist myself. Mm. Um, so you wrote this book on hidden. Why did you write this? What did God call you to? Um, because, you know, whether you call him spirit or God, like, there's a calling in your heart here to take this on and to, to get real transparent with men who are the least transparent of the genders uh, that you got to get through the egos and everything like that to get to the, them to this vulnerable place of, Hey, you're walking around with wounds. you got a bullet hole in mm. you, dude. Like you can't just not address it. So why'd you write this book? I wrote this book because I was having the same conversations over and over again with my friends online my, my clients. Uh, I was also feeling really successful in my relationship with my wife, Morgan, and learned so much. My story is I was, I consider myself normal. So I was 28. And what I mean by normal is I was living this uh, societally approved path of walking down the line, job, first, you know, first marriage and going to have kids and all these things. And uh, it got etch sketched. I, I, I hit a bump in the road and discovered that the life I was leading wasn't my own life. It was my father's path, my biological father's path, not my true path. And I just had some wild adventures. Uh, I started a business in 2004, uh, which was an educational company for adults, teaching about relationships, communication, and sexuality. Built that from a paper napkin sketch to an international eight-figure business. Uh, left that in 2014, totally burnt out, ready to figure out this next phase of my life. I was 44 at the time. And then I just started to write. And the book just sort of evolved. I wrote it in a year. Uh, it was very easy on some level to write because I've been preaching it and speaking it for, you know, over, you know, 400, 400 workshops. And uh, it's really the way I describe it, it's a pragmatic guide for men in this very difficult, changing 21st century of how to be with himself, how to be with his purpose, his relationship with God, and how to relate to these powerful, ever-changing modern women, because <laughs> the rules of my father and grandfather are gone, and it's time for men to wake up, it's time to smell the coffee and learn some new ways of being or uh, life is gonna get more and more challenging as the decades proceed. What would you say is the most confronting uh, lesson or confronting message in your book on Hidden? That women are not lazy less than or um, less than men because 
I grew up in New York, 1970s, and I identified that I was taught that I was better, at least one degree better than women. I was more important. I was the, the higher echelon. And then I started to relate with women who were honest and saw my chauvinism, my deep, deep chauvinism, my belief that I thought I was better than women and more important. And how that shows up in every single uh, communication, every facial gesture, every idea was this chauvinistic meme. I, I wasn't a bad person because I was a chauvinist. I was just an ignorant person. And what we have now in the 21st century is that men are dumb and women are angry. And the dumber men act, the more angry women get, and the less truth they tell men, and the men act dumber and the women get more angry. And we're at a a tipping point where it, the behaviors are no longer acceptable. You look at Me Too, which is you know two and a half years old now, a so imperative social change of the behaviors of men are no longer acceptable and men need to see, confront, understand so they can start to act more like gentlemen. So I'm gonna ask you this, the modern woman, the man she's looking for, describe him to us. He knows how to dance. <laughs> so here's what I mean specifically. Uh, men are trained to be linear. We're trained to think. Uh, I'm using generalities, by the way, just so you know. There are many men who do not fit this pattern. I'm talking more towards the middle of the bell curve, if you imagine. Mm -hmm. Like there's people sure. on both sides. So just know if you're a man listening to this and it doesn't fit you, I, I apologize. It really am speaking in general generalities rather than the, the holistic. But men are taught to think linear. It's, there's beauty to that. There's benefit to that. There's ideas. And so we get stuck in our linear thinking a lot. Women want men who can dance, who can be in that linear thinking one second and then go to a non-linear thinking one second later. And then go back to linear thinking where they want a man to be strong. And then the second they want them just to listen or to show their emotions. They want dance partners who are willing to go break dancing and then swing dancing and then waltzing and then stand still. They want men who are willing to listen and see and hear what she's asking for rather than for them to be in their ego of what he thinks she's asking for. Mm. I really like the metaphor you created there. And uh, I remember when I first met my beautiful bride, um, uh, she wanted to go dancing and, and we go out to this line dancing place, you know, mm. country and everything yeah. like that. And to me growing up on Long Island, that is not dancing, my friend. Mm. And uh, it's just very, uh, you know, everybody following each other mm. in these, these moves and these techniques and they all don't smile. You know, because they're so focused on the move. Mm -hmm. And it really paints a very vivid picture for me of how men show up in their relationships mm -hmm. most of the time. Mm -hmm. And they're just very linear, focused on the move, problem solving, mm -hmm. fix it, etc. Mm -hmm. Just as you're saying. And women in general, what I'm mm -hmm. hearing you say, they want the guy that's afraid to bust a move. He's not afraid to bust a move and right. and, and to break the norm and and to to not be so focused on doing everything linear and perfect and it's a process and it's like a mechanical or manufactured, but really just being fluid in his own life and in the relationship and, and going and being present, right? So if you're fully present, you're able to say, okay, 
where is she right now? Mm -hmm. and, and, and really just kind of move with her or ask her about her. So I really get what you just brought. Um, mm. Thank you for that. Mm. And, and I also agree with that. Uh, I, I think uh, there's very few men uh, that are well-practiced in that. Mm -hmm. um, but we can, we, every man is capable of it. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that, right? So we've been oh, for conditioned. Sure. Yeah, we've been conditioned a certain way. Right. Like you were conditioned a certain way. Hey, you grew up in the, Hey, you're better than, mm -hmm. you know, this class of people. Um, so yeah, once you're able to let go of all that and just say, let me really just be curious and discover who is she, mm -hmm. what is she up to? What does she mm -hmm. want? Like, and be that kid again, that little mm -hmm. boy that was just mm -hmm. curious in your own relationship, BC nation for all you dudes out there and women, it's the same thing for you. I don't think you're getting off the hook and this show's all about you. No, it's the same thing. Like really get to know your man. Mm. What makes him quirky and dorky and everything else? And give him the freedom to express himself without feeling like a doofus, mm. right? <laughs> like that's yeah. what, go ahead, Robert. What do you want to say? I mean, that really is the thesis of the book is, you know, giving each other permission to be unhidden. Mm. I mean, first and foremost, you have to start with yourself. I want to live authentically. I want to show what's inside to people I want to be intimate with. Now, this is an important uh, nuance of the book. I lie all the time. I withhold all the time. I'm, I don't like live every single person, you know, show them all my cards. I just choose who I want to be intimate with, who I want to be real with. And for those people, I don't lie. I don't withhold. I don't uh, you know, take half steps. And that's really important is to make the deliberate choice. I want to be real with this person and then go all in. And, and what most men don't do, especially with the romantic partners, because we're chauvinists, we think, oh, she can't handle that. Or if I tell her that it'll be X, Y, or Z, or, or if I tell her that she'll leave me and I'll end up alone. So it's from fear and judgment that we create a chasm, a separation from the people we say we want to be intimate with. And I think that's the cancer of relationship. That's the cancer in ourselves and our ability to take one degree step forward and be a little more honest, a little more honest. Honesty begets more honesty. When you provide a space for your partner to be real, it provides a space for you to be more real. And then you can actually be in relationship with the person you're with rather than the story or the facades that we tend to build of, of relationships. Mm, such a, such a good, good answer there. And, you know, Robert, I'm going to share with you, uh, one of my spiritual coaching clients, that's what I do full time now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the, I, so I work with a lot of guys that are killing it in business. Um, but when they get home, they're miserable. <clears throat> yeah what's the point, right? So, so I help them really get their personal lives in order, their relationships, their marriages, avoid expensive divorces, et cetera, get their kids back in relationship, mm -hmm. right? Because they were the pr uh, provider dad, not the present dad for, you know, so many years, et cetera. But uh, it comes to mind now, uh, one of my coaching clients, um, you know, he was like wrestling with something. And he's like, I can't tell her. I can't tell her, Joseph. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, that's the very reason you have to. Mm -hmm. Like you get that you're one flesh, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're one flesh. So if you're hiding something from your spouse, guess what you're doing? You're lying to yourself and expecting mm -hmm. your life to go well. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just can't work. So, you know, what he was wrestling with was when he went to speak at these conferences, um, for whatever reason, he didn't wrestle with porn at all. 
But mm. when he went to these conferences, he would get all this temptation when he was in the hotel rooms the mm. night before he was going to go up on stage to look at porn, look at porn, look at porn. Mm. And it would happen every time. And, and sometimes he would break and, and he would look at the porn and, and then he'd feel like crap the next morning when he went up on stage to inspire all these people, mm. right, faith-based stuff. And, and I was like, don't you see what's going on? Like the enemy is taking out your knees before you go up and impact all these people. Mm. Like that's, that's the thing. You need to invite your wife into this um, and, so that she's there for you. You could do phone calls. She could get you through those evenings, et cetera, when you're away, you're out of town. And he's like, Joseph, she'll leave me. She'll leave me. Exactly what you said, Robert. Mm -hmm. And I was like, does she love you? Of course she loves me. Then she won't leave you. Mm. Right? And he, he had the courage. And, and he did it. But first he texted me. He's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Mm. I'm not going to do it. Right? And he backed out and we just coached a little more. Then he did it. And he said, Joseph, you have no idea. Like, we had an amazing relationship. You know, one of the best marriages. We coach other couples. Mm -hmm. But when I got honest with her about it and we cried together and I said, hey, this has nothing to do with you. It's not mm. making you less than the enemy's just attacking me and I struggle with this and I wanted to bring you in on it because I trust you that much. Mm. He said it brought our relationship to new heights we've never realized. The intimacy just has expanded. God has done mm. so much with it. And I was like, do you get you would have missed out on that? Mm -hmm if you didn't take that step. So that's just an inspiration to all of you out there, you dudes listening right now, let your women in. Let your women in. What do you want to say, Robert? Yeah, and there's a couple of things. Uh, the first is she probably knew on some level something. Like women are a lot smarter than men, period. <laughs> that or intuitive. Is my, yes, smarter and intuitive. They know. They know something. They might not know the thing but they can definitely sense something. Men are trained not to pay attention to emotions, to avoid emotions, to be you know, with the moment, which again is a positive thing. But the, to me, what's required for men is to bridge both, to have the intellectual capacity, but also the emotional and instinctual capacity. To be the best poker player ever is to know how the cards fall, but also to have that little voice in your head saying, oh, he's bluffing, et cetera, et cetera. So just know, that she probably knew something and your willingness to say the truth is the most intimate act. And if that person leaves you because you're revealing who you are, you know, on some level, yes, you committed a quote crime, but also that's her stuff. That's her stuff. That's her judgment. It's something else going on for her. And so it's, it's not a one-sided thing. It's a, it's a co-created thing. And your ability to say, this is who I am. Please love me for who I am. All the aspects of me is the most, to me, God-inspired thing you can do is to show who you are to another human being. Mm, absolutely love it. And also, BC Nation, that's what God's asking you to do. God already knows all your brokenness, all your hurts, all your wounds, all the stuff you mess up with. He just wants you to bring it to him and, and tell him, hey, God, this is what I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. And just have those conversations. He already knows. <clears throat> yeah. Right. I wrote, I, go ahead, Robert. I wrote a, a chapter of my book. Um, it was a story. I had a client. Actually, it was a high-end New York escort. Uh, her her name was Libby, not her real name, the one she used. And she, I had permission to speak about this in the book. And what she would tell me is that these these men would come and pay her eight hundred, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred bucks an hour to do what they wanted to do in the bedroom. And then she said the most interesting thing. She said that the men would rather be doing these things with their wives 
than with her. And I would look at her and she was this gorgeous, you know, young, powerful woman, but the men actually wanted to do these acts, these, these things that their desires, their fetishes, but because they couldn't even speak to their wives, they were spending $100,000 a year with Libby because they didn't feel permission. And so I know it's an extreme case, but it's a really good example of the cost of withholding and the cost of you not making space for your partner to reveal this. How can you just say, hey, I might've, you might have felt my judgment in the past about X, Y, and Z, and I can see the impact of that is that you might be scared. You might be worried I would leave. Like there's a two-way street here. Your friend, you know, your, your client had the courage to speak the truth to his wife, but what could the wife do just to make it safer and safer for him to reveal? How can you improve your marriages and your relationships by just saying to your partner, I want to know all of you. I, I, I know you might be scared, but I want to know every little thing about you. That's where intimacy will skyrocket. Mm. So BC Nation, we're speaking with uh, expert Robert Candell. You can find him at robertcandell.com. And he's, he's showing up here today. And, and we're speaking about his book, Unhidden. We're speaking about his faith journey. Uh, so rewind this and really listen to that if you're just joining us right now. Um, but he, his book, Unhidden, is a book for men and those confused by them. Right. So for all you ladies out there who really want to learn what's going on in your man and what's his psyche and, and why is he struggling to be that modern day man for you, the modern day woman, um, go go pick up his book. It's a Amazon bestseller. And right now we're going to enter into my favorite part of this show. Robert, welcome to the confession round. OK, this is where I'm going to ask you uh, 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. It's just right. for fun. Don't overthink it. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. What's your favorite thing about God? His patience. <laughs> mm. What's your least favorite thing? His judgment. <laughs> Got it. What are you most afraid of? I'm afraid of harming others or harming the environment or just using my power to harm another. Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Worrying about what other people thought about me. Yeah, I get that one. What secret fear do you have about people? They won't see me. They'll just project their story on top of me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. So I believe we all struggle with something at any given moment. We're each struggling with something. We're carrying our crosses. What are you currently struggling with, uh, either personally or professionally? Personally, uh, as I've gotten older, my sex drive is decreased, which is impacting my relationship. And I don't know if it's uh, a biological testosterone based something or an intimacy issue because I'm so intimate. Um, is it just because we're so close? I'm not sure. But really just where, where did my sex drive go? That's the, that is the biggest question of a 49 year old man on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest question. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Wise, dedicated, and passionate. Pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God in a real way in your heart. Arrogant. Um, manipulative and needy. 
Got it. What's a new habit you want to form? I just stopped uh, eating grains. Uh, I stopped eating. Uh, I've, I've been, my relationship with gluten has been shifting and I just got very strict with my diet and wondering how that's going to impact the rest of my life. And so uh, it's not just the diet, it's the self-esteem from keeping to the diet, keeping to the, the modification of the food. And so it's truly amazing to feel so powerful in saying I want to do something and actually doing it. Very cool. What's a bad habit you want to break? Workaholic, workaholic. Yeah. I love to work. Yeah. That's a common plague of men. Yeah. We find our identity in our work. So the more we do, the better we do, the more we are, right? Right. Yeah. The, and mayhem, last... of the mayhem of the household with the wife and the girls and so much more fun in my man cave. So yeah, yeah. got it. And, and, and by the way, you know, with your permission here, you know, I kind of coach for a living. I'm fairly good at it. There may be a tie just to explore there, a tie-in for you and your workaholism and the uh, sexuality thing going yeah. on, the intimacy yeah. thing, right? Mm -hmm. You can really lose your sex drive if you're working too much. Yeah. Just putting that out there. And last Thank question, you. if you could come back to life after you die, look your wife, your kids, your family in the eye, give them only one piece of advice about life, about eternity, about everything. What would you say to them? Know that you're doing it right. Know that you're perfect. And perfection includes improvement and the ability to change. But start from how perfect and beautiful you are. Mm. I remember a phrase uh, someone told me once. It's that you're perfectly imperfect. Mm -hmm. Right? Perfectly imperfect. Mm -hmm. And there's beauty in that, to your point. Any final wisdom, Robert? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God? versus not i've my personal viewpoint is i find god in the practice of relationship i see the divine in my wife i see the divine in my children i see the divine in my friends and my family it's uh through the practice of being a good man and learning to love them is how i truly uh, feel god so it's not like god is someone in some corner <laughs> you know, that I've got to pay attention to, to me, it's in the practice of loving these special people in my life that I feel him the most. I believe in that so much, what you're saying. God created relationship, you know, in what it is, that yeah. need to connect with others, intimacy, mm -hmm. that is God, right? Mm -hmm. Love, he's pure mm -hmm. love. So I really get that. What's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose? Uh, favorite easy ways go to robertcandell.com. You can find links to my podcast. You can find uh, how to buy the book, uh, how to contact me. Uh, I'm not a huge social media person anymore. I just kind of sick of social media. So best way to find me is to hear me on the podcast. I also write, so I have a mailing list that you can hear my my current stories and uh, new new musings. So again, robertcandell.com is the best way. And why should uh, the guys listening right now to this show go and listen to your podcast, Tough Love? What are they going to get out of it? I developed Tough Love. It doesn't really have a niche, uh, which ha hurts the marketing aspect of it. But I built it as interesting people I've met with extraordinary practices to improve your life. So from relationship to sexuality, to a feng shui expert, uh, to 
to uh, a botanist, like across the board, it's just interesting people. And so the goal is for you to offer ideas and concepts that you can pragmatically bring into your life and practice to improve it. And so I have really cool people on the show. Robert, I just want to acknowledge you personally, look you in the eye on camera here and say to you, thank you for showing up fully transparent, raw, vulnerable, unhidden. Thank you for that. Thank, thank you for you, sharing your journey with us. We all get to learn from you um, to tie that in to some of the struggles we're wrestling with, hmm. hopefully to move through them and to not do it alone. Hmm. BC Nation, uh, go to josephwarren.net if you want to um, check out some of the other episodes here. You can see the podcast. You can see my other podcast, Your First 100K. If you want to make your first $100,000 this year and you just somehow can't get over that edge, um, go find out. Listen to some of the experts there. I share their top three tips and strategies for you to make your first 100K or your next 100k in the next 12 months so go check that out at josephwarren.net robert candell thank you my friend i wish you god's love peace and joy in your life sir thank you joseph cheers bc nation you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business if you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.